Here we are with Broken Worlds. We were using that to run Exalted, Skeleton Keys, and this is episode 15, listeners, the last episode. No more role-playing, just talking about Broken Worlds and Exalted and Skeleton Keys. It is May 2018. I was Devin the Referee, and we had X playing Y. Nicole playing Tappet Burrell. And Kevin who played Poison Orchid. So, gang, here we are, hot off the heels of the last episode. Our first, this, this was our first experimental game where we ran each episode for under an hour just to kind of see what was going on. And uh, this was a game that was our second Powered by the Apocalypse, based off the Apocalypse World game. Um, and it was Broken Worlds, the game that was based off of, uh, written by the creator of the webcomic Six, Kill Six Billion Demons, which is a really fun webcomic. Mm -hmm. um, Broken Worlds is a game to play games in that world, but Kill Six Billion Demons is so exalted, um, and I think it's by happenstance. I don't even know if the creator actually reads Exalted beyond having heard of it after he started the webcomic. I'm yeah. not too sure on that. I think it was just serendipity. Um, but this RPG runs really good for Exalted. We did it vanilla. We didn't have to change a goddamn thing. And we did it for 15 whole sessions. Uh, that's kind of the Vegas backstory. Uh, what do we want to talk about? What's the first thing we have thoughts on? What, the, the game, the system, or the uh, Let's talk about the system itself. The setting is not something we really used, because obviously... I bet, um, like, there's three layers to uh, Skeleton Keys. There's the game Skeleton Keys, like, taking place in the underworld with your characters. Mm. There's Exalted, coming back to Exalted after, I think, about a year now. And there's the system for Broken Worlds. So, I see this three layers like that. But yeah, let's talk about Broken Worlds, because that's the newest thing. So, uh, Broken Worlds is powered by the Apocalypse, which, um, just to give another brief breakdown from our intro that you might have listened to, uh, means that it uses the same kind of framework. It's not a universal system, it's not a generic system, it's a series of design principles and ideas that people take and remix to make their own game. Um, the most obvious thing is a lot of them, but not all of them, use 2d6 plus modifier, very simple. Some of them are diceless, some of them are uh, resource spending. Uh, it uses the concept of moves, which is just codifying into mechanics what we do in fiction normally, and as a way to push forward kind of events in the game. And the I think for me one of the most important things is is it's reactive. The DM or the referee, the, the, the person who's nominally quote unquote in charge, which isn't really a thing, they don't roll. I didn't roll at all during this game. I only ever reacted to you two. So that's the barest bones. Oh, and playbooks. The idea that character archetypes and thematic narrative archetypes are codified and segregated into their own little options called playbooks that you can pick and heavily customized to make your own thing while staying within that theme. Yeah, they're wildly varied and also very open-ended. So you can choose like one of the playbooks and it can be just a whole bunch of things. It's a weird paradox, right? Yeah. Like it's not generic. It's actually very specific, but in that specificness, it's super open-ended. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if the boss was ever meant for what you were doing for it, for being like this, you know, dark souls, cleric, beast, bloodborne monster that had fucking undead servants everywhere yeah yeah i don't know if that was ever envisioned yeah that was really thanks to the martial arts system especially or the i wouldn't even call it a system it's very simple it's just more movies you can take that aren't specific to a playbook yeah 
Uh, yeah, basically playbooks give you a lot of um, kind of different moves and actions that change how you interact with the base game and are tied into your fiction. I found all nine of them that are uh, present in Broken Worlds to be really neat and interesting. Yeah. Which we've said before. We've really praised it because it's super fun. It gets me all jazzed. I was not expecting to be as lethal with my character choice. Yeah, you were it's kind silly. of... It's the assassin type, you know, but I thought, it, you know, you're used to having sneaking characters having to basically not be in combat. You have to attack from the shadows or else you're screwed. Mm. Yeah, Broken Worlds is a, is a very combat game. The whole game's based around not like D&D style kind of like sludging through combat. It's based on kung fu action, the way you kind of want Exalt it to be. And that's where all of the playbooks, all of the moves, all of the sort of dynamics of the game focuses around. Very much, you know, high octane action. And uh, yeah, even you being an assassin, you were an assassin, you could be anywhere you wanted, you could sneak, you could, um, you know, do cool things with it, but you were also fucking murderous. Oh yeah. You were like a, like a kung, like a, like a badly dubbed kung fu ninja running across water and throwing swords into people's throats. Yep. You know, controlling air like a avatar vendor. Yes. That was the um, martial art I talked about. Still, it's, yeah. it's a great, like one, one small tweak in the playbook and done. Yeah. Super, super modified and super altered. Changed the entire nature of the character. What about you, Kevin? What'd you like about your character? <clears throat> uh, the boss moves are really neat. Uh, the ways you can, like, push them around and still be very powerful, like, physically. Mm -hmm. One thing I didn't expect, which is from how you guys interacted, was a lot of people I don't think go into Power by the Apocalypse expecting a very robust like tactical field of the combat system mm. but the way the moves are written they synergize with each other in a way that it gives it a layer of tactics to it like using acuity to add armor piercing or to reduce damage uh nicole knocking people over with reeling and oh then you God. having that boss move that allows you to do more damage against people who are reeling yeah, yeah. like like there's an actual there's an actual system in there, like a, like a chess game. Yeah, the playbooks are designed specifically so that uh, each player can only play one playbook. Like, you can't have multiples of the same type. So they all interact with their various moves. They actually synergize very well. Yeah. Yeah, like, there, there's... It's like Into the Breach, where Into the Breach has, um, you know, there's a very small amount of, of mechanics in it, mm -hmm. but it becomes a game of chess where, like, all plays off each other. It's oh. nice, and it was refreshing. And it wasn't hard. Like, you kind of, once you got the, the rhythm for it, it just sort of happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, combat itself was good, because combat wasn't really given much more, it wasn't given that much more kind of attention by the system than normal move actions were. Mm. Like, doing combat was like, do might, do reach heaven through violence, do acuity, but these are things you could do anyway for different moves oh yeah yeah moves. oh go ahead i was gonna say a good example of not even needing to roll though um was when all those um immaculate monks were going to they're coming down they're angry at us and we basically did the whole social system without actually rolling the social system yeah usually yeah. like that you have leverage they have leverage and stuff like that and we did yeah. that without ever actually touching dice yeah, um, the, you're only supposed to do moves if things are in question, mm -hmm. um, which is something RPG systems are trying to tell people forever. Mm -hmm. But specifically for bend will, um, you're supposed to have leverage on people, and if you have enough leverage, you kind of just 
push it through without having to roll. And the way you interacted with the monks, the, the Power Ranger monks, and, you know, with the book and, like, giving up, uh, what's the word you're looking for? We, concessions. Mm-hmm. You were giving up concessions on the nature of the book and what you guys were going to do and how you're going to treat them so much that you had enough leverage to get them to just agree without having to roll bend will and having, like, a chance of, like, consequences popping in. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that was super interesting because it was, it was, the narrative of the game was really at the forefront. Like, and we tried that a lot, listeners. It's something we're still getting a handle on. You know, we're, we're very new to Powered by the Apocalypse still because with the Veil and Broken Worlds, but we're trying to figure out doing the actions first and then assigning the move to it. Yeah. It's yeah. still very new. It's, it, I'm not going to say it's alien to us, but it's something that we're still trying to get into that flow and rhythm of. Yeah, it's it's a neat thing though, like role playing out what happens and then figuring out the move that matches. Yeah. Like, yeah. And only consequences that are interesting pop up. I, I faulted on that a bunch. If you've listened to the thing, listeners, where it's like someone got a, a seven, like a ten plus, you're, they're supposed to kind of get what they want, but anything below that, you're supposed to create a reaction that's an interesting hook. And it didn't always work out just because I didn't have anything at the moment. Mm. But uh, it was definitely good practice for getting into that. Yeah. Whenever you guys got a subpar role. You're supposed to want to get subpar rules because it makes it more neat. Yeah, you can't always have a winner, though. So. Yeah, you can't always be on the ball, which, that's fine. But it's neat, you know, because when we were doing that, it's like, oh, if you rolled poorly or if you didn't get everything you wanted, I get to think of a counter thing, and that makes it a more interesting situation, and you guys bounce off of that, and it drives you forward more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, it's a cool setup because that's kind of the, the whole baseline for what Powered by the Apocalypse pushes for, where... Every action has the potential to make a more interesting reaction uh, in the nature of the game, and the nature of the story being told. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Broken Worlds, uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, you, again, you can get it off of the Kill Six Billion Games pa- Patreon. It's super fun, it's super interesting. Uh, and I I think it's a good intro, Power by the Pokemon scheme. It's not the best. It's not, like, the highest tier. But for doing Exalted and for doing that kind of game, uh, it, it kind of, you know, it really, it really stood out to us. Yeah, the, game, the games and settings where you want to lean more towards, you know, the narrative than the, um, the mechanics, definitely. Yeah. Like, um... Let, let me see. Blades in the Dark is uh, really well done. So is uh, apparently Masks and um, shit. What's it called? Um, Monster Hearts Two. Apparently those are like the high watermark for kind of just how they all integrate really well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I only saw a few little issues I had. Like the moves, either I was I wasn't familiar enough with the, the base moves, or this is an actual kind of nitpick. They didn't seem to encapsulate all the kind of things we were doing in the game at one point or another. Yeah, it, it could definitely do with a few more types of moves and whatnot. Yeah, like another revision, maybe adding one or two more in. Like, I don't know what I'd recommend, but I could tell there was, like, gaps. Yeah. And yeah. the generic moves, Overcome, like where it's like, roll for each stat, and it's kind of like a generic do-anything move. Hmm. Uh, that feels like that's a placeholder. Yeah. I always felt bad when I picked Overcome. Because it very much felt like a roll 2d6 plus a stat, and, you know, just kind of make up a custom move as you go along. Which, that seems like that's just natural to the game, and it being its own thing called Overcome is helpful if you don't know what you're doing. Like, it's helpful if, you know, we're coming into it. But there should be 
there's something that could be added. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not, I'm not specialized enough with the system or with the, the design philosophy to really give a concrete example. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell they were trying to go really simple with yeah. uh, moves, like combat moves. Uh, there's pretty much one for each um, attribute. Yeah, yeah. There's center, There's uh, symmetry there. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh... Yeah, I don't think I have much else to say. Broken World is a really solid Exalted game. Hmm. It, it definitely uh, was not a fucking migraine to run. We definitely weren't having to pause to reference endless amounts of rules, and it just kind of clicked in. Yeah, the playbooks all really seem to match up to things that would appear in Exalted, too. Yeah! I, I know we said this in the intro, but we went over, like, old character concepts and old, like, Exalted, you know, PCs and NPCs from Princess of the Universe, and, man, they fit into those nine playbooks a lot. Mm -hmm. You can also do one character in multiple different playbooks, depending on what you focused on. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. I didn't expect the playbooks to be... I had no expectations for the playbooks to be that well-rounded and well-thought-out from, like, a from like an archetype standpoint. Mm. It has no business being that good. You know, like, anyone who... Like, like I've seen people try to put together an Exalted Power by Puglis game, and it's like, oh, this is the Solar Dawn playbook. This is the Solar Twilight playbook, and it's very boilerplate. Yeah. And it's like, what's the difference between a Solar Dawn and an Abyssal Dawn? There's not a difference. They shouldn't be their own individual playbooks. No. no you shouldn't... No. That's not the way to go yeah. about it. You should base it on character archetypes, not um, mm -hmm. classes in the game. Exactly. And yeah, Broken Worlds knocked that out of the park. Mm -hmm. Which was just neat. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, any other comments on it? Any other things you liked? I wish... I wish the game incentivized pushing moves more. Yeah, there's really no much reason to do it. It's uh... maybe because they were so short the sessions. Maybe yeah. you didn't really ever run out of your two power dice. Never used them. Yeah, and there was really a, a chance to. Yeah, it didn't come up enough. That could have been just how we were running, you know. Maybe if we were to do this game again, like a different, like exalted game, because I, I think we'll definitely come back to broken worlds. Yeah, it's a good system. I like it. Like guaranteed, we're gonna do exalted and broken worlds again, but. Maybe I should have been making the challenges and the, the scenes, like more scenes and more robust challenges to make you want to push moves. Because mm. you should be spending power die like candy, in my opinion, and you should be gaining them like candy because you're pushing, you're taking chances, and you want to fail because failing makes things more interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that could have been us, which is why I'm very reticent to blame anything in... Uh, like, like in Broken Worlds or The Veil, just because we're very unfamiliar with it. It's They're very much not traditional games. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I was much more critique of Godbound and, say, Exalted, just because I know them. I, I fucking know what they are. I know exactly what they're doing and what they're doing right and wrong and where it's failing, but it's harder with Apocalypse World games. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if I'm missing it, or if I if I, I overlook something obvious that I should have picked up. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we give it another playthrough, then I'm sure we'll pick up on a lot of the stuff that we've missed the first time around. Yeah. Though definitely a good way to just kind of, you know, get where it could be smoothed over. Like, add more scenes in, maybe add more hooks in, you know, make things a little more lively. Uh, I think because of the nature of the setting of Ten Gods Mountain, it was a, lot of, it was a very somber setting. There was a lot of, like... 
isolation and spartanness going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's supposed to feel kind of empty and rainy all the time, even though it was a full setting full of people. Yeah. That might have contributed. Like, if this was, like, Nexus, or you guys were hanging out in, you know, Chiroscuro or something, you know. If it was a Nexus, we could have just ended the game with him blowing up. Yeah, he could have blown up again. <laughs> Fuck off, Jim. Nexus is the real blow-up city. <laughs> but if this was, like, a realm, you know, dynasty politics game, I think there would be a lot more, like, friction happening. Mm-hmm. But the aesthetic of Ten Gods Mountain, of it being a lonely ghost world, I think that's kind of what, uh, that might have been the key thing there. Yeah. We definitely didn't use many moves that weren't combat moves. Like, uh... Ply the Market. Save for, like, Query the Cosmos and whatnot, and Ply the Market, yeah. We did not use Ply the Market at all. Yeah. And I kept looking for a chance to spring it, like, to to push you guys towards being able to use it or or get some fun with it, but it just didn't come up. Mm -hmm. You know, a busy market in Harborhead, where you guys are maybe looking for, like, rare ingredients, or maybe you're, uh, you know, cruising to buy information or pick up, you know, something. Mm Mm-hmm. It would kind of show up more there. Yeah. Well, the boss is seriously centered around getting that stuff super easily. Ah. Well, I almost... Yeah, and I, I should have been giving you more opportunity for it, and I just wasn't clicking in, but... Hmm. You know, next time. Yeah. Yeah. My character used my stealth moves a few times, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like if we were to do it again, we would... Um, because this was supposed to be just a very short game to kind of get a taste for things, mm-hmm. we would make it a little more sprawling. Like, you guys would have more concrete goals that we'd set up ahead of time. There'd be more sandbox-type play moving in. So, you know, you doing thief stuff, you doing bossy, stealing, marketing stuff, it would come up more. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just what was on my mind about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, more opportunities. It was a longer game, yeah. So if it's a short game, we're going to be right to the point kind of thing. Exactly. Very succinct. There's not a lot you can do in... Like, there's a lot you can do in 40 minutes. I found those scenes really ended at a very nice pace when we did 40-minute episodes. Uh, but, you know, if we increased the, the, the amount of seasons or sessions in a game like that, there there's more room to grow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's all for Broken World. Yep. Exalted. We came back. Oh, we did. That was fun. An abyssal, a dragon blooded. Uh, you know, you guys had interesting backstories. You guys were connected. We we used our own fluff of the um, the underworld, like a more interesting take on it, which I kind of cribbed from people talking about how the underworld is going to be fixed in third, which we've talked about before. I think even in our abyssals off topic. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, where the the underworld is, you know, pockets of afterlives connected by, you know, lonesome rivers that head to the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. That was neat. Um, I think we got a lot of nice, interesting sort of setting-specific tone and flavor mixed in there. I think people who like Exalted will get a kick out of it. I uh, I cribbed a lot of Wraith uh, terms. (laughs) I was constantly... Yeah, I was throwing them out. I, I, I talk about moving away from the underworld being, you know, Wraith town, but refluffed for Exalted. And it's true, you should definitely do that, because Wraith Underworld isn't... I never liked Wraith Underworld. I liked Wraith the game. I didn't like Stygia and, like, all those guilds and shit. I thought that was shit in Wraith and ruined the sense of isolation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, Wraith is a game where you're supposed to be a dead man dealing with being dead, and you have other Wraiths, and you're all dealing with, like, your fetters and your people moving on and being alone because you're ghosts. And I said it gave this huge underworld city you'd go to. This fucking vampire, the uh, masquerade city, where you can go there and fucking buy coins with screaming faces on them because of soul smithing. 
and it totally undermined every lesson Wraith was teaching. Hmm. But the terms, classy, you know, Skinlands, the Quick, uh, Wraith, Spectre, Spook, Argos, Moliate, all that stuff, very evocative, very, very nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we didn't have Stygia itself in Exalted, but having Ten Gods Mountainous, this nice underworld city, I think it was uh, it was robust. I wish we could have gotten more interaction out of the guilds, but all that stuff I wrote up was for you guys to build your characters around, and you picked what you found was most interesting. So the Exchange Consulate, um, you know, the Hungry Ronin and Ant Skull, all that stuff. The I rural wanted, campus. I wanted to deal with the um, fucking serial killing that was happening, but kind of just got busy with other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you latched on to what was interesting at the time. You know, you kind of uh, you prioritized, which is good. Yeah. yeah. You know what I regret? Because I meant to do it. I was going to have Skarmelian show up again. Oh, Milion. yeah. Right, yeah. There's really no room for it, so... I, yeah. I should have thrown it in the dungeon. You'd, like, Melion would come back as Skarmelion, and mm -hmm. you'd fight him, and it'd be the... the it'd be, a, like, poetry would rhyme. Hmm. But yeah. That was a nice return to form for Exalted. We didn't have a bunch of Exalts in there. That was nice. Yeah. I think yeah. there was one other... It was what he without, so there were three exalts in the whole game. Yeah. And once we were done with him, he just kind of left the uh... left the game. Yeah. But yeah, that was nice. Um, it was very different from Prince of the Universe, where we had fifty different exalts. <laughs> it was so a, many. It was a much more vast game. There was a lot more going on, definitely. That game we were like taking over the world, so yeah. yeah. So this felt more focused, more, more, more focused, I guess is the word. More honed. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, that's Exalted, that's Skeleton Keys, the setting, the game. Um, anything else you guys liked? What did you like about your characters? What did you wish you could have done with your characters? Anything, any missed opportunities you would have liked? I didn't focus very much on the boss aspect. I didn't use a lot of his moves very often. I was, I kept trying to throw you um, um, ways to use boss moves, but it was just, it was tricky. Yeah. There's really not many ways you actually use your gang. Like, uh, there's a dirty move, there's dirty work, which is the big one. It's the move. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah, it's... I think you have to make those opportunities. Yeah. Maybe if your character was... Uh, Maybe you could have gone for something else and picked up the demi boss move, oh. if uh, in retrospect. In like retrospect, if you, yeah. If you wanted to focus on something else, because you could have gone with um, the 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 courtesan, hmm. which is very much what I focused on character wise. I mean, that's what you were doing in the game the whole time. You were like you even picked up the courtesan demi move or the refined, mm -hmm. but you focused on being a cult, being a witch. You focused on talking to people and being, you know, like, social. Hmm. And the boss stuff kind of fell into the background. I think, as a suggestion, if you, if we were to have done this, if we were going to do it all over, you might have been a refined, and you would have picked up the boss move as a demi-move. Yeah, quite game. possibly. The refined or the hunger. One of the two. Yeah. I only say the refined because you were so social and so, like, like aesthetic-y. Hmm. And uh, you also had, like, that weird red sorcery. Like, you were trying to use occult stuff all the time. Yes, yes, definitely. And the hunger could also fit really well, but the hunger might have been too far in that direction. Yeah, quite possibly. Because the hunger gets weird, man. <laughs> Something that pops up. You got a lot of thieving and assassin done, though. You oh, were, yeah. You were flipping shit. Yeah, I was a fucking murder machine. Um, yeah, I don't know. My character did the thing I wanted to do. Um, 
the only thing that would have come up is if the her loyalty to people was like two of the different things that they were trying to do were conflicting, but they never were, so. Yeah, that might have been something that would have shown up if the game was a bit longer, if I had uh, latched onto that earlier. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that would have uh, been nice to pop up. Mm -hmm. It would have been a little hard with Orchid, because Orchid's not very power-grabby or anything like that. He's very much what benefits the city benefits him, so. Well, it could be that my what benefits the city wouldn't benefit my grandma, though. Mm, true enough, yeah. He would have turned on her in a heartbeat. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I wanted to make the city better, but the first thing was making my grandma's life better, so... So you put your granny in a retirement home. <laughs> retirement soul steel brick. <laughs> my character would have sided with the grandma. Yeah. I think probably the one thing the game might have needed, um, just in retrospect, uh, a singular antagonist for you to kind of push against that was making the city actively worse. And that was Aunt Skull for a little bit, but you kind of waxed her. Oh, yeah. Hmm. She did not last. Murdered the shit out of her, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would have been better to fo to kind of push the, um, the, the, the mongoose and the cobra kai and uh, that abyssal that taught tyrant mongoose. Yeah, the antagonists in this seem to make the... the... The uh, mistake of meeting us in person on getting, first meetings. Getting within melee. Yes. <laughs> they kept getting punched into my crowd of goons and uh, eviscerated. Reeling. Visibly reeling. <laughs> Visibly prone. Yeah, Jesus H. Christ. That was a savage. Life hack. Yeah, pro tip listeners, if you want to win the game, always knock people reeling. Or cripple them because then you just curbs off them. You reeling is a is a fun thing to throw at people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else? Anything else? I don't know. Can't think of anything. No. That pretty yeah. much covers most of it. Yeah. Overall, it was nice to come back to Exalted. Uh, it was nice that we found a new system other than Godbound. I like Godbound, obviously. Like, fucking people who listen to the podcast or who, I don't know, see the fucking off-topics we've done would be like, yeah, fucking duh. <laughs> but uh, Broken World was definitely a, a different change of pace that, that scratched a niche Godbound doesn't, or Godbound I don't think can. Hmm. Like, something that's come up with me when I've been trying to take a look at the, um, the new Exalted module for Godbound the, you know, how like, the social system doesn't really exist because you're supposed to kind of just role play it out. Well, that's the same true for basically any system, but Broken Worlds facilitated the role play better mm -hmm. because it was actually, you know, codified in the game. Whereas in Godbound, because, you know, OSR, D20, a charisma stat, not really the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's something that we've said multiple times we've missed from 3rd edition. A 3rd edition social uh, engine is very robust and very fun. Yeah. Oh my god, the Killer Queen with that social system. <laughs> or her, at the end of the game, convincing the villain... That she was the true That was amazing. Yes. Everyone's well, I remember that. I'm like, Jesus Lord. Fucking that's Christ. insane. It's time to get back inside. <laughs> yeah, you, you did the Inception thing where you're like, no, 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 I'm the real villain. You were my pawn. He's like, what? No. He did it so well, though, that we beat him. Yeah. He was so thrown off. 
That would be a power die right there, spending a power die on, you know, bend will. He died thinking he wasn't important. That was the best thing I could have done to him. Like, he wasn't even real. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <laughs> so, now that we've done Broken Worlds, uh, we have like six or seven Power of the Apocalypse games that I've just, you know, like earmarked for us to try out. Uh-huh. Uh, ones that I want to try out are Masks, because we started watching Young Justice, and Young Justice is all, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. The quote we keep saying when we watch it, because Young Justice is very complex and has a lot of, like, you know, storytelling going on, and there's continuity, and things matter, and people act like real people, is we keep saying, it's almost like it's a real show. Right. Because <laughs> it's really well done, uh, in a way that a lot of superhero media isn't, like the Marvel or DC movies. Like, Young Justice does things they wouldn't ever do, like having consequences and character development that was a little more believable. Instead, right. they, try, they, try, they keep ready to go for the whole, they're a symbol thing. It's like, Fucking they're not real people. Young Justice, every, like, pretty much everyone is being blackmailed. I mean, don't spoil shit. Okay. You might not have seen fair, it. Fair, fair, fair. And I, I'm usually the guy who doesn't give a shit about spoilers. I'll talk about fucking Star Wars and Infinity Wars. I don't care. But uh, Young Justice is something that's actually really nice to see because it's almost like it's a real show. We have to fucking people. There, there's a lot of quality storytelling happening. I think that's that's worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than Masks, Fellowship, which is quote-unquote the Lord of the Rings uh, powered by the podcast game, but there's so much more going on there. Oh yeah, definitely. It's there, there, very open like, it's, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's Lord of the Rings. It's Star Wars. It's every fantasy story. It's Flash Gordon that, that codifies the, the scrappy rebels against the evil emperor. Like, it's every one of those games, and it's really on the nose about it. Uh, it's Power Rangers, to an extent, too. Like, not modern Power Rangers. Um, and by modern, I mean, like, not like, um, you know, uh, In Space or the, the one with the cars. It's more like those weird Power Rangers spinoffs or uh, uh, Sentai spinoffs where it's like medieval or it's back in time or it's like future <laughs> society where each ranger represents a different clan or race or something. You know, like Z-Ranger where they're each from the different dinosaur clans. Hmm. Like Rita is even an example name of the emperor of the of the evil guy that you could be in the, in, in Fellowship. Yep. You could just do Z-Ranger. Evil Queen Bandora and the Bandora Gang. <laughs> She even has gangs and guys. It's also Final Fantasy because you have the, the evil Garland, like, Chaos. And then he has his armies and his lieutenants and stuff. And then you have the four heroes of light coming from different cultures to vanish them. Mm. Fellowship does all of that. And uh, that seems really fun. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to try Fellowship because it codifies the position of the referee. Instead of the referee being the guy who is in charge of the game and owns it and this is his story and shut the fuck up, I you know, because that's how traditional games go... Fellowship codifies the referee as an actual other player. If you want to be the referee type person for Fellowship, you get a playbook just like everyone else does. And your playbook is the Overlord. You play the villain. Mm. And because you've already won or you're in the process of winning, you have more control over the fiction of the world than the Fellowship does because you're able to make more changes to it. So it's kind of the same role as the referee where you fill in details about what it looks like now because you have a direct hand in what it looks like now because you conquered it. And that is super interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. It's... That is something I want to explore. Also, Blades in the Dark, because it's Shadowrun. Hmm. Like, it's good Shadowrun. <laughs> like, like, unlike Shadowrun, it's good. <laughs> uh, some angry comments. From what, Shadowrun fans? All one of them? <laughs> <laughs> Shadowrun has a lot there that 
Like, I'm like, oh, that sounds... And, like, the rest of them just like, oh, never mind. Shadowrun is a thing that has a lot of potential and a lot of neat cyberpunk shit to it. But... Yeah, I stand by that Shadowrun isn't cyberpunk. Like, it... Okay, it is cyberpunk, but it's its own special genre shaped like itself that does not represent cyberpunk at all. Fair enough, yeah. And that's it's, a different rant. It's its own <laughs> uh, thing of Shadowrun. Cyberpunk. Yeah. It's its entire own thing. Largely derived from it's D and D, but the dungeon is a corporate office, and the loot is sweet hard cash. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a kill and take game. That's a good way to put it. It's just a dungeon crawl, but in the future. That's yeah. why. That's why it doesn't connect with me because it's just a dungeon crawl. Cyberpunk is usually a story about bigger things going on, and if there's a run, because there are shadow runs, quote unquote, in cyberpunk, like. Altered Carbon has uh, one in the second novel. Um, Neuromancer is a shadow run. But ah uh, is the key word here. And I've talked about this before. The story is usually one singular run that changes everything. And when the, the, the characters are done the run, they're done. Their arc is complete. So Neuromancer was a single run. And the whole book was leading up to the run and doing it. And getting the pieces and material and the intel and the access mm-hmm. and the runners for it. And then they were done. Yeah. Where Shadowrun's like, you do the run and then you come back next week and you all hang out together. And you do another Shadowrun. And it's, the entire system is based around doing more runs. And... Yeah. It also uh, is the most cynical take on, on Cyberpunk ever because Cyberpunk is about pushing against the man and pushing against the system. And in Shadowrun, you're a bunch of dancing whores for the system. Sure. Shadowrun does the fight... Okay, Fight Club talks about this. Where you're not your, you can't buy an identity, and that's what capitalism does. It sells you an identity. So it's like I'm a gamer, I'm a tabletop gamer, I'm a League of Legends player, I'm a Coke drinker, you know, and that stuff shit because it doesn't let you have to develop as a person. It's selling you it. You buy into it. I like IKEA furniture. I like sports team. You know, I'm a grill man. I don't use propane. I use charcoal. And Shadowrun is that to a T. In Cyberpunk, you're an actual rebel rebelling against the system and doing something for yourself. In Shadowrun, because there always has to be another Shadowrun, the corporation and Mr. Johnson hire you, and you're basically an employee. You're basically an employee that's a part-timer that they don't give health care to because they don't give you enough hours, and uh, you're, you're an Uber driver. You know, Uber's this great thing that get, gives you the power to make money on your own time. That's what Shadowrunners are in Shadowrun. They're Uber drivers. They're tricked. They're fools. They're they're morons. You gain enough money so you can do your next shadow run. So you get enough money to do your next shadow run. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Uber analogy is Uber drivers think that they're making money, but they're fools because Uber puts doesn't give them any benefits, any insurance, any uh, support network, any safety, and instead it pays them not a lot of money to drive people around, and they take most of the money. And the Uber driver's like, I'm making all this money, right? But no, you're paying for your time, you're paying for your fuel, you're paying for wear and tear on the car, and if you get into an accident, you're done. They just cut you loose. They don't have to keep you employed. And that's what a Shadowrunner is. Yeah, people are like, well, then just make characters that aren't just like that for Shadowrun. And it's like, then don't play Shadowrun. Then you would do one run and be done. (laughs) Like, there's no reason to do it unless you're, there's literally two reasons to be a Shadowrunner. You want revenge on a specific company. Or you want money to perpetuate the cycle of being a Shadowrunner. Yeah, so Shadowrun itself has kind of accidentally turned Shadowrunners into a cor- into a consumer identity or like a thing that people co-opt for money. <laughs> it, it's turned them into employees. You're, you, you don't fight against the man in Shadowrun anymore. You, you're just 
you're like the employee that thinks that that thinks if they work 80 hours a week for 30 hours of pay, they're moving up in the world because they have a good work ethic. So I promised I wouldn't go on a shadow and rant, but I clearly just did. <laughs> anyway, Blades in the Dark looks like it's actually fun. <laughs> and not all of that baggage. Um, other Powered by the Apocalypse games that we have seen, um, Monster Hearts looks fun. Um, I kind of want to come back to The Veil. Uh, with new eyes, now that I know what I know now. The Veil is basically just another Blades in the Dark as far as like playing a cyberpunk game goes. It's different. It's not about runs. It's about humanity and it's about learning and it's about like dealing with your own internal demons in the vein of cyberpunk i put forward my personal opinion that the veil is more cyberpunk than shadowrun or the sprawl or um cyberpunk 2020 or any of the trad game cyberpunk games it's more cyberpunk because it's more like those original ideas <laughs> like that's just that's just how i see it and I'd, I'd like to come back to it with a fresh set of eyes, you know? Uh, the other one is Legacy 2nd Edition. Which one's that, man? You play a... It's RimWorld. Oh. Huh. Oh, that's the one where you play, like, colonists. Yeah. And your own tribe and whatnot. Yeah, you play the tribe, you play the individual colonists, time passes, things happen, and they have a billion spin-offs from the Kickstarter, like God's Fall, where you play gods and you have angels and you have cult members and you have demigod heroes and you have worshippers. Yeah, it's one where you play, instead of playing the full tribe, you play a hero of the tribe, and that changes depending on... The and you also have the, the tribe, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also, what are they called? They're called Rhapsody of Blood, which is just Castlevania, uh, apparently, but also in the legacy setup. Huh. There's a lot of weird stuff. Being on a colony ship, uh, you know, rim, straight up rim world, where you're surviving on, like, a planet with very little resources. It's, it's a lot of Horizon Zero Dawn and Shadow of the Colossus-style stuff mixed in. Uh, and the only other one I'll mention... The two other ones are Heroes of the First Age, which is superhero, but it's mythic, and it looks neat. And uh, there's a wrestling one that I haven't looked at yet. <laughs> called, like, World Wrestling Apocalypse or something. Yeah. There's also the one where you're uh, Downton Abbey staff. <gasps> the Dark Shadows one! Yeah. <laughs> that, one yeah. Looks, that one sounds cool. Yeah, you're like maids and servants in an Adams Family-style mansion with... A crazy-ass family that you have to keep from killing themselves and each other and everyone around them. Yeah, it, it, we've been watching Dark Shadows, the original soap opera, and it really feels like that. That's cool. All right, I think we have wrapped up at that point. With, yeah. On yes. that note, because we have we have gone outside the realms of Exalted and this music that's playing. Yes, yes, we have. So I think we're going to wrap up uh, Broken Worlds, Exalted, the, and the Skeleton Keys aspect of it. So, for the last time in this series, I was Devin. Nicole. Kevin. And this, listeners, was sponsored by Nobody, and we're signing off.